everyone, I'm Riley. And I'm Ash. Welcome back to Trojan Fast Break. So in honor of October and spooky time, we're going to do some mystery cases and unsolved and we might throw in a serial killer ones in there. Um, and this month, day, not this month, <laughs> this week, we're going to start off with the Sodder children disappearance. And I know Ash, you didn't know anything about it before we started. Nope. Um, I personally knew that it was a fire happened out of nowhere and a bunch of kids went missing in the fire but they don't know how they went missing and yeah so Ash do you want to start us off with some basics? Sure. Um, so on Christmas Eve 1945 a fire destroyed the Sodder home in Fayetteville? Mm -hmm. West Virginia. Inside was George Sodder, Jenny Sodder, and nine of their ten children. Two-year-old Sylvia, 14-year-old Maurice, 12-year-old Martha, 9-year-old Louis, 8-year-old Jenny, 5-year-old Betty, 17-year-old Marion, 23-year-old John, 16-year-old George Jr. Jenny and George um, and four of the children escaped. George tried to save them but couldn't see anything through the smoke and the fire which leapt through the living room, dining room, kitchen, office, and George and Jenny's bathroom. Missing was Maurice, Martha, Lewis, Jamie, and Betty. George ran into the house to get his ladder to get to the children's rooms upstairs, but the ladder was found to be missing. Which is very odd because he always put his ladder in this exact spot every time, and out of nowhere, it's just not there and we'll get into why that's spooky in a little bit oh and i continue okay <laughs> george also attempted to drive one of his two coal trucks and climb atop them to reach the windows even though they've been they'd been perfectly fine bleh, sorry been perfectly functioning the day before neither would start um Mavian sprinted to the neighbors to call the fire department but could not get operator response. Another neighbor who spotted the fire attempted to call the fire department but also got no response. That neighbor then drove to town and, and alerted fire chief um, F.J. Morris who invaded invented. invented sorry <laughs> invented the town's phone tree which meant one firefighter phoned another so on until all responders were aware. It was less than two miles away. The fire department didn't respond until 8 a.m. the next morning, finding nothing but ash and the family members left. Jenny and George assumed the children to be dead. Now, before I get into that, I'm going to get into the background of the family. So... As we know, George Sauter was the father, and he was born in Italy of 1994 or 5. I found both. I found 40. I found 1894 and 1895. I can't speak today, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, Ash, what did you find when you searched him up? Because I know you did a bunch of the family background. For George? 
Um, I found that George Sauter was born with the name Greg Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah, that. <laughs> Giorgio Soto in Tula, uh, Sardina. Italy in, in 1895. He immigrated to the United States uh, 13 years later with an older brother who went back home as soon as they both, both him and George had cleared customs at um, Illis Island. That's what I found on George. I couldn't really find anything else. Yes, I found that eventually he had found work in Pennsylvania Railroads carrying supplies to workers until he found a permanent job as um, a driver in West Virginia. And then he later started his own company where he would haul and fill dirt to construction sites. And then that later turned into a company of hauling coal that was mined in the region. And then for his wife, Ginny, all I could really find myself was she was an immigrant from Italy and was a storekeeper's wife, and that's where she met George, and then they got married. Did you find anything about Ginny, Ash? All I could find was that she was a storekeeper's daughter in Smithers, um, Smithers, who had also immigrated from Italy in her childhood before she became George's wife. Right. That's literally all I could find. Okay, and me personally, for family background, I found that Jimmy and George settled outside Fayetteville, West Virginia, which, funny enough, was a large population of Italian immigrants. There was like a close, tight-knit community of Italian immigrants there. And they had this massive two-story house that was just outside, just outside of town. And then in 1923, they had their first child, who was John. And then George's business just like completely was perfect, basically. They were a pretty well-off middle-class family. And, but George, so he had this very strong mind and he was not one to, let go of his opinions. And so he would often get into arguments with people about the Italian dictator Benito Mussolini, who, if you don't know, was a very interesting man. He was a fascist. And I don't know about you guys, but I personally don't see that fascism is the way. But anyway. And so he would also often get into arguments with the immigrant community of Fayetteville who was, were mostly very committed followers to Mussolini. And so the last of the Sauter children, who was Sylvia, was born in 1943. And that's pretty much all I could find what about you? Did you find anything interesting about the family? About the family as a whole? Not really. What about individually? Anything stick out about the children? Well, um... 
Mainly all I could really find on the children were their missing police reports um, and how old they were, but we already basically covered how old they were in the yeah. beginning. Okay. Um, would you like to go over the suspicious things that happened or would you like me to go over those? You can go over that and I can go over the sightings. Okay. So as of suspicious things that went on before the fire, there's actually quite a few of them. And I'm gonna say my personal opinion, I think someone kidnapped them. Like none of this adds up to me. <laughs> like I'll get into the scientifics of it all about why I believe that. Ash, what's your opinion? Do you think they were kidnapped? Well, they definitely didn't die in a fire, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad we agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, the first suspicious thing I could find was this man <laughs> who, he appeared at the house a couple months before the fire asking for work, like for to haul the coal and stuff as George did. And so he pointed to these fuse boxes that the family had in the house, right? And he said, and I quote, this is going to cause a fire someday, which wouldn't be that odd had George not had them checked around three months before that happened by the local power company, which found them to be in pristine condition. Now, me personally, if I had a power company check my fuse boxes and tell me they were in pristine condition, I wouldn't be very happy if some strange man asked me, told me that they were going to cause a fire in my house. Yeah. Okay. And then next I found, and this was actually in October of 1945. Excuse me. <laughs> A traveling insurance man told George, your goddamn house is going up in flames and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for your dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. And I personally think, case closed, that's who did it. <laughs> case. I mean, he straight up just said something about his children, so. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing I found was just before Christmas, like, I believe it was in the same month, actually, there was this car, and a man was parked in it, and he was sitting on the highway watching the young children get off the bus from school. Mm -hmm. Again, case closed, that's who did it. <laughs> So this one, I'm gonna tell you it, but it's not really a suspect or anything, but around 12.30 Christmas morning after the children opened some of their presents, because I believe it was Marion, she worked at a little, like not grocery store, but a little shop in town. And so she had bought all the little kids presents and they got to open them on Christmas Eve. So then around 12.30 Christmas morning, like right at the cusp of Christmas, after they had opened presents and everyone was asleep, the phone rang and Ginny, the wife, answered it. 
and she heard a female voice, an unfamiliar female voice, ask for an unfamiliar name. And she said in the background she could hear like clinking of glasses and laughter. And so she told them they had the wrong number and she hung up. But it was, they contacted the lady who called, right? Like they traced back the number and it was literally just a wrong number. I mean, it's Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And so as Janie went back to bed, she noticed the front door to be unlocked along with the curtains being open and the downstairs lights were on and Marianne was sleeping on the couch. And so she went back to bed and we're gonna back up a little bit. <laughs> this is out of order, but that's okay. Um, a telephone repairman had told the Sodders that the telephone lines had been cut, not burned. Sorry, I messed up. That's not backwards, that's forwards. Um, after the fire, a telephone repairman had told the family that instead of the phone lines being burned and unable to work like we thought, that they were actually cut because, as you probably recall from the original basics, they couldn't get a call through, so. And I don't know if you know this, but if the fire had been electrical, as they tried to put in the report as faulty wiring, then the power would have been completely dead, meaning the downstairs lights would have been out. And I can actually confirm this because I know an electrician who I asked and they were like, yeah, duh, <laughs> why would you ask that? <laughs> and so later a witness came forward saying he saw a man at the scene taking a block and tackle, which is used for removing car engines. And that could be the reason that George's truck refused to start. And you'd think that if someone sees something like that, they would like call the police or report it, you know? But I guess not. Although in Fayetteville, since apparently it takes the fire company like seven hours to get to a fire, might not have worked. Might have been like, hey, I'm down at the bar, can't help you. And then, anyway. One day when the family was visiting the site after the fire, Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard. And I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but Jenny, when she went back to bed after the phone call, she heard something on the roof. And so that could possibly be what she heard on the roof. It was also reported that some neighbors saw like flame balls being thrown on the house, mm -hmm. which again, you would think someone would like report that. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you ever see someone throwing flame balls on your neighbor's roof, please, please call the cops. Yes, please report <laughs> it. Don't just stand there and be like, oh, well, goodbye. And like, if you hear something on your roof at like 12 in the morning, don't just go back to bed. Just be like, like call up a neighbor or something and be like, hey girl, something on my roof, what's going on? <laughs> and she can be like, oh yeah, there's like some flame balls, it's good. What do you mean? <laughs> And it was later confirmed that that was be uh, that uh, I can't talk. Oh my god! <laughs> it was later confirmed that that was a napalm napalm pineapple bomb, which was used in the war at the time. Hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes. 
And this is just a little background on that night for the children. Um, they, so as I said, they had the presents that their sister had given them, right? And so they had asked their parents to stay up late for Christmas Eve to play with their presents and stuff. And their parents agreed as long as they finished their outside chores and locked up before going to bed. Now, that's all I have. And Ash, I know you said you had some sightings of the children? Yeah. Okay. So the sightings that I found on this um, is, okay, so the strange case surrounding the disappearance of the Sutter children captured the attention of thousands as uh, word spread, and this promote prompt. Sorry, this prompted several individuals to come forward with their sightings following the fire. Um, the hotel encounter was brought forth by a woman once she recognized the children. She had seemed to match the faces printed in the newspaper. She recalled them to have been accompanied by two women and two men. Both speak in Italian, and when she spoke friendly to the children, one of the men broke off the interactions and the group gave the woman the cold shoulder the remainder of their transactions. And, I mean, that kind of, like, if you think about it, that's another reason, like, that they could have been kidnapped. Because, like, if that was an actual sighting, like, hello, proof in itself, you know? And I can understand if you have children mm -hmm. not exactly wanting them to, like, talk to adults, but yeah. if you're right there, You'd think they wouldn't mind, you know? Like, I get the times were different, but Still, it just seems a little suspicious to me. Yeah. Seeing as they matched the pictures that were put out of the children, and they were all speaking Italian. I would also just like to say that, I know we're talk going over the sightings right now, but George Sauter investigated each and every one of these himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm uh sorry to interrupt no you're good a woman claimed that martha was in a covent um in st louis a texas resident thought to have overheard an incriminating conversation regarding a west virginia fire on christmas eve night and another tip came from florida saying that the children were there residing sorry residing with a distant um relative to jenny with each lead that came, George followed traveling all around the country only to return home each time with no prevail. And that sort of tied with what you just said. And that is all the sightings that I could really find. I'm sure there were more, but we kind of ran out of time. So, there was do you have any other ones that you found? Any sightings that you found? I didn't really. Did you mention the diner? There was a diner one. I couldn't find that yes, one. Yes, I, I found one. They were at a diner. I believe it was with two men. And this waitress thought that she noted that all of the children were there. And again, George looked into it and couldn't find anything about it, I guess. But there was also a billboard um, just down Route 16 near Fayetteville where all the children's faces were on and it had like you know the missing persons report mm -hmm. and they actually had a 
$5,000 reward, was it? I think it was $5,000. Which... It was around $5,000. It's a lot now, even. Mm -hmm. Well, probably not for not, that. No. But, <laughs> you know. But back in, like, 1940s, that was probably, like, what? The, right, it was a, a lot. A, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that was a lot in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. But... So, as we were saying, George tried to get back into the house and get his children, right? And he even, like, broke his, like, not broke his arm, broke a window and cut his arm trying to get into the house. But as we said, he couldn't get into the house. And, okay, so I don't remember what the coroner's name was but so they tried to you know go back after the fire and figure out where the children could possibly be and i remember i read something about the coroner and he said like obviously they didn't have any bones or anything from the children right mm -hmm. which there would be scientifically speaking We'll get into that in a second. But the coroner, he told them, the parents, to just scoop up some of the ashes and bury them as if they were their children. What is wrong? Because that is See? appropriate to tell parents who just lost their children. Definitely. <laughs> now, as I said, if you, you won't burn that much into disintegration in a fire like that. Mm -hmm. Because for one, some of the household appliances were still there and up mm -hmm. and like definable. And I understand that that's like, you know, metal or whatever, but that's not how fire works. That, yeah, no. I believe it's like the average house fire is up to 2,000 whatever heat measurement is. I don't know. So I'm, I believe I'm it's 2,500 or something like that. And the Sauter families got... Since that, it would be smelling like flesh. Exactly. Like flesh. That, if five children burned alive in there, or burned at all, in that house, you the whole town would smell Awful. Yeah, it would smell of burning flesh. Burned flesh is like one of the worst smells, let alone, even if it's just like a little spot on your hand. So can you imagine what five children would smell like? Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's not something <laughs> that you want to smell. I don't even want to think about that. Neither <laughs> do I. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> um, do you have... Any more? Not that I'm aware that of. you would like to add? Um, I don't think so. I think we about covered it. Okay. I bl okay, I found... Sorry. Uh, I was trying to find the diner one. Okay. So, it was a Florida truck stop, actually. Okay. And this woman said that she served them breakfast and... 
Okay, I'm sorry. It was a Charleston fire. Hello, truck stop. And it was a car with a Florida license plate. And she saw them. She thought she saw them and served them breakfast that morning. Like Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. So I would just like to point that out. But that's all I have. I would also just like to add to your hotel one. They left like yeah they left at at it in the morning like before like, anybody else even got up yes which i forgot to mention that part might be kind of normal for some people but when you cut off an interaction with a child and it looks exactly like missing children plus in the report it said that um they had checked in around midnight and then they left around yeah they checked like, extremely in. early in the morning before anybody else was up they had checked in around midnight, mm -hmm. and then left early. Yeah, that's all I can find. Yeah. And then in 1947, George and Jenny sent a letter to the Federal Bureau of Investigation where J. Edgar Hoover said that he would like to help and then but he needed permission from the local like police that he can come help right like that the fbi can come help yeah and guess what they said what they said no wow the local fayette police How would not let now i personally think that's a little suspicious because yeah. if you're not trying to cover something up then what are you doing exactly like why would you not want to find four children when one of them was five years old. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, that's all I have. Same here. Unfortunately. So, hopefully one day, I don't see it happening, sadly, but one day, maybe this case will be solved. Yeah. Considering the time that's passed, though, since it, I don't think it will. I believe hopefully. it's still marked in as a solved case, as a fire due to electrics. But as we can all pretty much come to the realization of, I don't believe that's true. Neither do I. It's just, it's too suspicious. It just, five children would stink up that entire town. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to breathe. Because yeah. burning flesh is one of the worst smells in the world. So five children burned would be hell. I would not. Yeah, no. I would not be able to do that. Thank you, but no. So just go ahead and send in your guys's comments, concerns, questions about it. Mm -hmm. Or if you guys have a case or something that you want us to figure out, let us know and we'll try and get on it. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Trojan Fast Break. Tune in next time, and I believe next week we're doing a serial killer. Is that right? Uh -huh. Or did you we're, wanna... we're gonna try and do a serial. Whatever you just said. <laughs> if we don't do it next week, we're gonna do it the week of actual Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this should be out tomorrow, which would be the 8th of October. Wonderful. So, 
It won't be next week. It'll probably be closer to one of the next weeks after that, like the 22nd or the 29th. But we'll do it. I promise you we're going to have a serial killer. So if you guys have a serial killer you want us to do, just let us know and we'll try and do it. Mm -hmm. Obviously it has to be school appropriate. Screened for PG-13, but mm -hmm. we'll get on it as soon as possible. So thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed it. Have a wonderful no or day, whatever it is. <laughs>